back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today, I am joined by the one and only Sean Lyons, Global CEO at RGA. Sean, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Rob. Good to talk to you today. I'm thrilled to have you on here. I, I remember uh, probably a few years ago now, uh, Debbie Millman had somebody from RGA on the podcast. And I remember thinking like, that would be like a good like test to see if, if I'm succeeding, if I can go talk to somebody at RGA. So to be talking to this global CEO today, that feels pretty good. So years later, but still made it happen nonetheless. So. Fancy title. I'm still a person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. And that's one of the things, you know, we've uh, had the pleasure of talking a few times before this to get to know each other. Um, and that's one of the things I would love to get across today. It's just kind of just show that these big ad agencies, these big awards, you know, these big clients, still people who put their pants on one leg at a time. So uh, I guess we'll start from the beginning. So it's a little bit about yourself, how you got involved in this, and now we'll go from there. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, it, it's an interesting path. I mean, I think it's, uh, I had the fortunate, uh, the benefit of being at the beginning of the, really the digital advertising industry, actually. Think about mm -hmm. late 90s. So I, I started my career at that moment when there was just, just tons and tons of opportunity. Um, so I've, I've been able to see it grow and evolve over the past 20 years, which has been fantastic. And um, so, but really, I'd say that for me, the, it goes back to my schooling, just being at, being at Carnegie Mellon, being taught that the, uh, fusion between art and science are really, really important and imperative. And that's kind of, um, in the end, what attracted me to RGA. They're the same kind of culture. Mm -hmm. We had technologists working together with creatives very fluidly, and it just felt like a place I wanted to be. Um, and I began working at RGA back in 2003, in fact, as a freelancer wow. many years ago. That's crazy. That's so, such a different time compared. I mean, obviously, there's like, you know, uh, the current situation, situation we're in now, but uh, you know, that aside, I think that it's so drastically different, the industry that we're in now. And I'm sure that like the offerings of RGA are probably totally different. What, what has that, that been like in, you know, your years at RGA? How much has it changed? Yeah, so I had two different stints. So I was there for 10 years and I left for three and I came back. So it's nice. It's always good to do that. I do that. <laughs> and I think it's, it's actually, we, we call it a boomerang. So when somebody leaves and comes back and we have a lot of people who do that, it's great because you go, you go leave, you, you, you create new experiences, you learn new things, you come bring it back to, to RGA. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a common trait that we have at the company. But I mean, yeah, back then the world's changed tremendously. I mean, think about 2003, um, uh, you know, the iPhone was four years away from being launched, right? Wow, that's, that's crazy. That's all you can think about is that moment. And so most of the activity was driven on the web, you know, uh, particularly mobile was beginning. So we were doing text messaging campaigns and things like that. But we were always trying to actually look at the web as a, as a place for utility where you can do something, do right. something useful or transact, provide value. This mm -hmm. two-way two exchange, that's what it was built for. It wasn't built to be an advertising medium. It was built to kind of uh, create value through utilities or connections or commu communities and communications. So that's actually what our angle was always in the beginning. And so at that time, we were doing a lot of that kind of work. And, a lot, and I began to work with RGA at that point, consulting on the Nike ID platform. So I got brought in for my uh, e-commerce experience to help them kind of architect a, a global e-commerce uh, solution for Nike ID. You know, it was great. It was just a fun thing to be involved in at that point. And just, I felt like a family immediately, the team that was working on that, even including the client, because it was very kind of a, a bold move for Nike to go after that and try to turn it into like a full global business because it's very complicated. And they're still one of your main clients, correct, Nike? Yes, yeah. yeah. yeah we still work with them quite a bit globally, different areas, you know, both in New York and in London and Shanghai. That's crazy. Yeah, South America. Yeah. So I know that you were, you know, initially you were leading things in the New York office and then now you're in this global uh, CEO role. So 
Uh, I would imagine that it's the same company, but the view might be kind of different. So what has your experience been like and what's it like to take on, you know, so much more responsibility? Yeah, sure. Sure. I think the, it's important to start with, I think, where I started in the company. It, my roles changed a few times over the course of my career. Right. And I think, again, I think some of that is, is due to luck and being at the right place at the right moment. Everybody has to acknowledge that, right? It's how you take advantage of that, of that luck that you get. It's being curious. It's being open to trying new things. So all, all these things have allowed me to kind of adapt to my, in my career. Because I actually started out at RG as a developer. I was a technologist and ended up kind of running technology teams. But the reality was I was just very good at communicating technical things to marketing people and advertising people, and then marketing and branding things to technical people. I was a good kind of translator and communicator. Right. That allowed me to kind of uh, end up growing my remit o- over the years within the, within the Nike team at RGA. So yeah. That's how I really kind of developed my, my, um, my, my career at RGA. I was able to scale my, my, um, my role over time, you know, so having run a big account, you start to learn that the skills that got you there may not be the skills that take you to that next step. So you got to always learn something new or be open. You're going to make a lot of mistakes in different areas, right? That you got to learn from for sure. But I think um, I'll just go back to that actual, my ability to work really well with all different types of people and different skill sets. Yeah, those interpersonal skills are huge. I talk about that all the time in the show. Those interpersonal, like, it's so funny because people have in their head, like, you need to be, like, kind of, like, bullish and, you know, like a Don Draper type character. When actually, it's quite the opposite, I feel like, from people like yourself and people that work at that level. It's like, you need to have these interpersonal skills and a level of empathy and patience that, frankly, most people probably don't have. So Yeah, you need all types of people. I mean, that's right. the thing. If you, if you enjoy people, enjoy working with people, and you enjoy learning things, that's how I, I, you know, would, would collaborate with folks. Over time, the creative teams would trust, trust me in terms of what I was saying was possible, not possible as a technology leader, right? Yeah. The technology teams are trusting me and saying that it actually has to be this way because this is the way it should be designed because this is the appropriate thing for them to do. It's better for the brand. This is what the experience should be. And I was able to kind of navigate that whole, that whole system. And of course, that translates directly to clients too. It's like, hey, we need this next week. Well, it's pretty impossible to do this right next week. We can do a, a, a quick and dirty job, but you're not going to get the, the lasting product that you really want. Yeah. Give us 10 more days and you get the right thing. And, sure. But again, again, this just goes back to trust, right? How you communicate with people and, and following through on your commitments with your own team, yeah. following through on your commitments with your clients, and, and that's how you kind of build, build community in a company. Um, sure. I think the big change as you, as you take on different roles is, is you know, you have to have good mentors to learn from. Absolutely. You have to have people to learn from. You have, you have to have people that you can ask for guidance to. But you have to learn how to scale yourself. And that's actually by, again, back to that original point of trust about bringing people in and actually giving them the remit to run their, do their job and do their roles. Right. You support them in that. You actually have to think about, well, I built this thing now. These large teams, how do I help them do their job better? Your yeah. job shifts from being, I'm in charge to how do I enable them to, to do great things, which will then help me. I would imagine the hiring process is huge in that, you know, what are you looking for when you're, when you're hiring people and, and how can you gauge at the outset of a project, whether or not someone's going to be able to, to do that. And how, like, like there's trust, which is made over time, but is it like intuition that allows you to make that right choice in the first place or? Yeah, no, it's a really good point. I think, I think we may be good at it. I think we could be a lot better at it. I think we can always improve how we do it for sure. That does both include, includes how we find people to speak to, both the people come to us and also finding new, new talent out there to how we run the process. It can always be better, honestly. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, um, it kind of depends on the role you're going to do. I think we like to 
find an opportunity where people can show us their thinking, you know, show, show us their thinking and present us, present to us your thinking. It's yeah. one thing to have a portfolio of work and a body of work and, and that, that's great and it's important, but it's also great just to, for us to give you a challenge for have you come back and tell us how you would tackle that. And that, cool. that collaborative um, uh, model shows up there. You'll be able to kind of understand how that person will react to questions in the room or on Zoom, right? In the case we're doing right. it remotely. Yeah. Um, and just kind of adapt to, the, adapt to the challenges we put in front of them. You can't always do that, you know? I yeah. think the other thing is really, you know, a core part of our hires, probably a third or more, come from referrals from people who are at RGA already. Yeah. So, you know, having work experience with somebody is, is tremendous. So if I get a great recommendation from somebody who's on a, uh, someone who I know very well at the company, that, that goes a long way. And especially yeah. if that person understands the, the role that we're going to put that person into. So, you know, in my own personal journey, I always kind of struggled with getting um, that unconditional feedback that I was looking for because of the scale of the companies I was working at. You know, I, I would get the opportunity to have that big agency on my, on my LinkedIn, on my resume, and it's, it looks cool, but the, the learnings, because I was a freelancer, because I was kind of new to the company, were not um, as readily available, if that makes sense. And I, that's one of the things that I've, I've always wanted to work for big companies, but I also wanted to get, you know, like major league companies with major league feedback. And a lot of times, sometimes it's so big, it's like, oh, I, I don't know. I didn't, you know, he, it's kind of like a pointing the fingers game. And then you leave without that feedback. So when you're, you know, you're talking about scale, how do you make sure that that communication is there all the way down to the people who might only be there for a week or a day, you know? Yeah, it's really hard. I think first I would say it's, it's, it's hard to be a freelancer in that case because you're coming into a company and it's a temporary temporary arrangement, right? Where yeah. how much does the company invest in that person or how much do you invest in the company? Right. So it's hard to be a freelancer. It just generally, it is in that, in that environment. You get the flexibility that you want, but you, but you don't necessarily get the kind of feeling like you're fully a part of something. That's tricky. Yeah. I think, that can be really, really hard for some people. I think I, there's a lot of people out there who like to say they subscribe yeah. to like the, you know, the freelance lifestyle, but there's a lot of people I'm sure who would like a full-time job and maybe some better feedback. You know, it's like oh, yeah. not everyone who's a freelancer is a freelancer because they like this nomadic lifestyle. They might be a freelancer because they're looking to grow into these opportunities. You can work your way and do great work here and you can get a full-time position. But that dream is oftentimes not fulfilled. So how do you make it kind of like a long, a long play, you know? You should know what you want going in. I think you should, you should talk to the company about that too. It's important to say, hey, this is, this is um, I, I'm happy for this freelance gig. I appreciate it. I'm going to work, work really hard on this project and, and I'm, I'm here to learn as much as I can. My intention is to, is to look for a full-time role. I just want you to be aware of that. It's always yeah. important to state your intention. I think that always helps. Yeah. And usually, usually people do. I think it's the thing, of, the, the feedback is, is interesting because you know, our consulting team, our business transformation team, the team that does all of our innovation consulting and all of our brand work, uh, they talk about feedback being a gift. And it's really smart because actually as new people come in, they make it very important for managers to give that feedback. Because not, not every manager is, a good, um, is good at delivering feedback. We know that, right? Mm. Especially in our industry that, that's very fluid, that we scale up based on client growth. We bring new people in. Our organizations are not super structured, which is good. But right. it means that sometimes you, you, you have less... Um, talent structures around to make sure that you can deliver proper feedback. What we try to do is encourage conversations, right? We have tools that people use. So first, there, there are soft, software we use to make sure that reviews are happening and that feedback is given, right? It's mm -hmm. a good team. We also make sure our talent partners are, are helping set those meetings up with those leads and, their, and the people that work for them to make sure those meetings and conversations are happening. 
And it can't just be some annual thing. It has to be, you know, more frequent than that. Um, mm. And I think, it's, I, think it, it, I think it's really key. Sometimes people don't want to give bad feedback, right? So that's usually what it is. People avoid conflict. Yeah, people aren't mean. People are too nice. <laughs> yes. I thought I would go in. It's like, you're going to go work at the biggest agencies and you're going to get the harshest feedback. They'd always say that in school, like in design school, they'd be like, well, if you think that this is bad, just wait until you get into the real world. And then I get into the real world and I deal with like passive aggressive kind of like, you know, like all of a sudden my art director is like not looking at me anymore. And then I get an email on Slack that it's like, <laughs> you know, like it's, my, it's like, maybe it's my own personal experience, but. You know. No, no, it's it's true. People, it happens. You know what I mean. You're dealing with this stuff every day, kind of thing. You know. Well, they don't. People don't want to give difficult feedback. It's hard to do that, right? And it's also right. it's an art to be able to do that well. And, yeah. I, and I think it's it's um it, it's going to involve making mistakes and uh, along the way and being comfortable with that. I think yeah. a lot of managers feel like everything they say has to be absolutely concrete and 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 uh, and and perfect each time. I think it really just becomes a dialogue and a conversation. The best thing you could do, actually, when you think about this at scale, right? You talk about scale. Um, there's a quote that we use quite a bit that we've, that's been embedded in me that, that um, uh, Jay Shai uh, talked to Bob Greenberg about years ago, right, as we started to grow, yeah. which is, you know, how big do you get before you get bad? And you might yeah. have heard that before. It's really, it's really key because the, when you scale a creative organization, uh, it can become inhuman pretty quickly, any, yeah. any organization. It's very hard to do that at scale. So you got to make teams smaller. So you have to take a big office and break it down into small pieces. You have to get people to kind of just be around people more frequently. And, mm. and you should have your relationship with your manager should last longer than six months. It should be a multi-year thing. You can't always do that because our business is dynamic. It changes a lot. But right. Try to create some stability around that. And that, that environment will create better work and more trust. And I see it as you go around to smaller offices that have great cultures. You see it and feel it the second you walk in, right? Mm. So in a big place, you have to create that by building building teams that, that are that are a little more um, you know, a little more autonomous than than one massive office. So right, that, that's a key thing, and that's a core lesson that we've learned uh, that, that's played played out well for us over the years. For sure. For whatever reason, the other day I was thinking about this. I was thinking about my own journey, and I was thinking about kind of um, some of the adversity that I faced early on, and then some of the at the on the other side of that coin, some of the excitement that I faced, you know, uh, visiting those early, those early studios and stuff like that. Um, but then for whatever reason, I, I put myself in the shoes of somebody who's just leaving school now, can't go outside and needs to find, to get some momentum going. Those, those early years, that's like kind of transfer of enthusiasm, visiting the studios. That's really, really important. So if you're just leaving school right now and you're going out into a very different workforce, what would your advice be? How would you maybe go about approaching that? I mean, I know, I know these are obviously really crazy times, but, you know, and just in terms of facilitating conversations like we're having right now, how could you go yeah. about doing that? No, it's, 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 I can't imagine actually how difficult it is, honestly. Yeah. It sucked before all this. That's what I'm saying, you know? <laughs> no, I know. It's, it's, I can't, I can't imagine. And I think, I think it's a two-way thing. So I think, again, my interest in talking to you is trying to find a way to help in some way and just right. make sure I can communicate, you know, you know, when I grew up in this business, it was quite a long time ago. So it's hard for me to relate to what it'd be like now. It'd be unfair to yeah. really try to do that, right? But what I can do now is make sure I make myself available to younger talent and speak to them and, and kind of give them advice, which I try to do as much as I can, because that's, that's what I can offer. And also, you know, guide them, you know, you know hey, actually, you should, you should connect with these folks. Have you, have you ever talked to them? Call my friend another agency. Make sure make sure I connect them to I'll connect them to you. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I think the the advice is like 
it really depends on what you want to get into. Like if you want to, like if you're looking for to be a designer within the industry, there's lots of different pathways you can take, you know, and there's lots of different areas in there. And I think if, if you're looking at to do core advertising it might be a little bit harder, right? Cause that's a, that part of the business generally has been more pressured. Our business is pretty varied. You know, we have, we have, we have an advertising portion. Yes. We have a consulting portion. We have a ventures group and we have a whole uh, group that designs. You guys are crushing it out there. You guys have everything. It's so cool. No, it, it's just diversified. <laughs> it, it's, we're, we're having, you know, we're, we're, we're having trouble just like everybody else in this crazy environment, right. And trying to make sure we're helping right. our clients. Right. But you know, we have, we do a lot of things, which, which allows us to have a, a kind of diversity of work. So depending on that, I think, I think I would say just be specific in what you want in the beginning. You have to figure out what you want to do for your whole career, but be specific what you want to do next. And those specific questions, you know, you, you'll get more help that way. Yeah. And I think if you do a little research uh, on the companies that you might be talking to and you use your network, both from school and, and maybe uh, friends that you know, just to get conversations going, do a little research on the person you're talking to and have some specific questions for them. I think yeah. that will help really kind of uh, things unfold. For sure. Um, yeah. and, and I think everybody's got to find their own pathway to, to, to not just a role, but like the, the type of work that they want to do. Yeah. Um, and I think there's, there's, there's a, you have to, you may not feel like you have a network coming right out of school, but you do. And you oh, have to yeah. learn to tap that network, you know, uh, um, to, to get, to get those meetings that you need conversations and calls just to get. Yeah. It all just starts like one person at a time. I, I remember when, when I started out, I was in New Jersey in the middle of nowhere at, at, at not really in the middle of nowhere. I, you know, I'm grateful for like, from where I come from a socioeconomic standpoint, I'm doing fantastic. And I'm grateful for that. I think that's never been more apparent than it has been in the last few months. That being said, uh, I remember being completely detached, not having any friends in the creative field and then kind of just going like one by one. And then like you go to a party and then you meet three people and then you meet more people. And, um, you know, to your point that you made before about making these connections, I always say like build your Trojan horse, like make, make something where, where it's not just you, like, like, can I pick your brain? You hear things like that, right? Can I pick your brain or can we talk? But you know, today it's so easy to set up a medium account where you could do like a written interview series. You can get on zoom just like we're doing right now. This is literally free what we're doing. Um, but kind of in the same way, just like in business, you would have like a, a value exchange. I think for entry level creators, it's important to have, you know, hey, I have never worked in branding, but here's a Pinterest board that has some of my favorite adver advertising campaigns. Who do I talk to to do stuff like this? Because so many people reach out and they're just like, hey, like, what's up? Like, can we talk? And then, you know, whereas like for this, like my like thing with this is like, I'm doing some, I'm doing a service while we're talking. So we're, you and I are talking right now, like we're at dinner, but it's at scale. So I always say to people like create something, even if it's like a Twitter account or something, just make something to get yeah. those conversations rolling. No, it's we get a, a lot more yeses. Really? Yeah. Just good advice in general. Like it's get out of theory, get into practice, start making things in whatever form that is. I think, and for me, like I said before, there's the be specific and, and be clear about your intentions. It's okay if you want to roll. That's perfect. I expect that. Right. And I'll do what I can to help you. Just be specific about that. And then and I can do that. It took me about six, six or eight months to get my first job out of college. And, and that was a uh, 98. So um, different time, you know, I, I, could, I don't know. I don't know if I was aware of what the economy was like back then or if that even mattered, but I got a job in an art gallery and I spent the first year working in an art gallery, <clears throat> which is, you know, was interesting. Right. But I got a call from a friend that I went to school with who knew I could do some basic programming and pulled me into 
this company called Oven. So I got my first job from a, 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 um, uh, someone I went to school with. Right. But I got eight months into, later. It's important to keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, no, true. Eight, eight months later, and that maybe that's in, in this environment. Maybe I was lucky. And you look at if you look back. Right. But you know, but really, it was like, okay, you can do some programming. We need some help with this project. Uh, I started on a Thursday afternoon, and I had to work all the way through the weekend till that Tuesday for this presentation. It was for Tiffany, the jewelry company. For yeah. To rebuild their e-commerce. turquoise. <laughs> yeah, so it was like a, it was like thrown in the deep end, and um, I bring it up because I'm I'm there. Don't know anybody. Definitely no feedback going on or no onboarding. Right. Sharing a desk with somebody right next to me because it was they were busy, small wow. office, and just trying to make relationships and get help because I couldn't do all the things they asked me to do. Yeah. I didn't know everything they had to do. So I, I, I made some relationships there. And, and, and it wasn't all on the internet yet. It wasn't all like out there. Oh, now no, I could just like no, Google no it. No, there's yeah. barely anything at that point uh, to look for. But my point being there is like those relationships I made there um, uh, enabled me to get to RGA because one of those first people I became friends with there was someone who, who brought me to RGA years later. And wow. that, that was just a, you know, as I look back at that, I was, I was very, you know, um, pleased about that and he's retired now he's, he's you know amazing artist also and, and and just realizing how these things happen um and how and how you those relationships you build early on often have you know long-lasting impact in your life and um, yeah that's been a key a key person in my life is, is chuck jenko yeah um, shout out chuck that's right <laughs> i uh the other thing i would say which i found interesting is i i first applied to rga right out of school because i knew about the company i knew what bob was doing and i applied as a video editor like as i right. was avid editing and things like that. I made a nice package, a reel. I designed the box like, and I made the box that, that the thing went in. I never heard back and I'm sure it just went into like a garbage, garbage bin. Right. But at that point they were shifting from, you know, becoming a, a, you know, digital video company to an interactive agency. And I was at that, at that crossover, right. but I kept going at it. Right. And, you, and over time, seven years later, I ended up started working there, you know? So, so crazy. Just, you, you know, things, things move pretty quickly. And, and I, that's why I go back to those networks and maintain the, those relationships. Yeah. And networks are, are relationships. They're not, they're not networking events. It's, it's the people that you meet, the people that you help, the people that help you, and, yeah. and you know, the people that you like to spend time with. And th those things are, are the most valuable over time. You're talking about kind of first applying to RGA. And then I know that the role that you took over was a huge deal in the advertising industry because you were the first CEO right from the, from the beginning of the company. You were the first person to fill that global CEO role, correct? Yes, after Bob, that's right. Yeah, after Bob, right, exactly. And um, can you maybe talk about what that experience was like? Did you get mentored directly from Bob? And, and, and um, when you stepped into that role, I would imagine that you were probably pretty nervous about, about that. Or was it kind of just natural? Because you were running the New York office. That's a huge office. Mm -hmm. But um, how do you get prepared for a role like that? And did you kind of like wake up after you like, after you sign your contract, you like wake up in the middle of the night, like in a cold. So I would imagine it's kind of scary. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd be lying to you if it wasn't scary. Of course. I think, you know, at that high point, pressure, man. Yeah, of course. And I was running the U S region. So we had, I was based in New York. We had six offices in the U S which was, I was running, but I think there's, there's a lot to unpack there. I think I worked for Bob for many years, you know, so I learned quite a bit from Bob, of course, right. And worked very close with him on a lot of things. So that part felt good. And that part was, was, a, was a strength there. Um, it's, you never really prepared fully for that change. And I think you have to kind of, the things I've learned in the short time hasn't been that long, really, you know, year and a half or so is you, you do have to be yourself. People will tell you that, um, over and over again, but you really do like you, you have to just be yourself and lean into the things that you, you know, and do. 
um, because you're going to have a you're going to be compared to anyone you replace. And and do, you know the case with Bob, we're working together. He's the chairman. I had a two-hour chat with him today, so we we work closely together. So it's not quite as severe of a change, right? Right. But, Open invite to come on the podcast, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he would love to actually. Cool, cool. I think it's just a matter of um, having to kind of trust yourself, be yourself, do do the things you think are right, and you you have to kind of create your own version of yourself as a leader. And you've mm. got to do a lot of new things. You know, you've got to communicate a lot more than you might have, right? And yeah. I did a lot of communicating as, as in my previous role, but now everything is, is rolled up to you, so you've got to make sure you're communicating well. You've got to stick to the things you believe in. So if I believe in building teams and empowering those teams, I have to live that and have to encourage that and enable that and celebrate that. And I think I realized, like, the, the way you do it, you have to get comfortable with it, is you start to, you know, bring people around you that are there to help you, bring people around you that are there to kind of, create that next version of RGA because we've always been about change anyway. So right. of course we're going to change. We're going we're to then design that next, that next thing. So the more you lean into that energy, the more you put that into the company, the better off you are. And the, yeah. the more fun you have, the better you feel. And that's the more you focus on. And what I look at is two things on that, like in terms of how are we doing, right? Right. What do our clients feel and think about us? What are they saying about the, the work we're doing for them? That's key. And what do our people say about being an RGA? Those are the two things I can control the most. And those are the two things that I focus on really most of my time. And then right. from that, you're like, okay, well then stories are going to be written and, and, um, and uh, uh, perceptions developed from that. And that's okay. If I'm focused on those first two, the other things will come after. Yeah. Um, and that, that's also how to be sane, right? You have to kind of decide where you're going to focus and focus on things you can control the most. Yeah. Um, it also happens to be the place where I have more fun anyway, you know, yeah. on the work or, or meeting with my teams. Yeah, definitely. So thank you so much for doing this today. It's been an honor and a privilege. We finally did it. Third time's a charm. I know, on Zoom. Yes, thank you. Yeah, shout out Zoom if you want to sponsor my uh, podcast. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm ready for it. Nike as well, if you guys are listening. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so in closing, how do you be resilient at a time like this? You're somebody who's used to dealing with adversity and things like that and um, kind of going with the flow. So if you're in this position, you're going through hard times at any any size, as we say, people put their pants on one leg at a time. How do you remain resilient? Yeah, resilience is a, is a key trait that people need. And I, look, I, I guess I have resilience in the sense that I, uh, in my job, in my role, many other people have deeper resilience, both in you know where they're coming from, where they grew up, uh, where they live. Like there's other forms of resilience. So I can right. only speak to the, the the type that I might have. But um, <clears throat> I think there's a couple things in this. I think. Work on the things you can control. You know that, that's key because I think that's now. There's a lot of things that feel out of control right now, which is hard, and that's and everyone feels that way to different right. degrees. So do what you can to provide some some structure and some control to your life and some focus in this in this time. I also think you know there's an onus on leaders to make themselves accessible too, and I try to make sure I reply to as many LinkedIn connections as I can or, or have have chats with people. I try to do that as much as I this can. This is proof. <laughs> yeah, there's onus on leaders to do that. Right. And I, think, I think that's important. And there's a limit to what you can do, but you got you to do it, right? Mm. Uh, because it, it's at this moment when people need the empathy you have, and you have to have empathy at this moment for in all sorts of ways. It's, even we just look at the industry, it's how people are going to be dealing with the changes that are happening, how our clients are navigating this, right? Everyone feels uncertain about the future. So you got to make sure that you, you can create that time to connect with people. And actually, from that, I believe resilience comes because the more you think about it, the more you, you have it swirl in your head, the less you do and the less you kind of act and communicate, the, the, the more worried you're going to be. Yeah. So I think the resilience will, will really is built from connection. 
and by meeting more people and connecting with people and, and focusing on the things you can control. And that's the best, that's the best answer I can give you for that at this moment, because we're in such a intense moment. But again, I look back in the leaders, including myself, to make sure they're accessible. And my team is accessible to people and uh, to both communicate and connect and just be, be a resource. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's, it's, um, it'd be quite lonely and difficult to, to navigate. Right, for sure. Dude, you crushed that answer. That was amazing. That was perfect. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, where can people find RGA online? And if you want to apply, who's a good person maybe to reach out to? You know, or where can people find you on LinkedIn? The shameless self-promotion time. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. No, thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. It was a good, good conversation. And thank you for having me on. I think you know, we, our, our work and our, our roles and RGA's model could be found in RGA.com. We also have several Instagram handles that you guys can follow and get a sense of the, of the company and the culture. I think some of them are fun. Uh, I would also promote our Twitter handle, which, which, is, which is fascinating and give you a sense of, of, of our personality. I love your Twitter. Your Twitter is one of the, I, I think it's the best one out there in terms of all the different agencies out there. I think RJ is the best. Chapin Clark gets a lot of credit for, for, that, for that voice, but he's done a wonderful job there. And again, we're trying to humanize the, the company in these different ways. But that's the way to connect. I think with me individually, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Like I said, I try to make sure I use that platform to connect with people in the industry at, at, at different levels to, to try to help them where I can. Um, that's how we met, which is great. And yeah. I'm glad we met and I hope we can have another conversation soon. Likewise. Yeah. No, All right, brother. This has been so much fun. Thank you.